Hi, this is John Robbins from Someone's Story. I want I first want to start off by saying happy Mother's Day to my mom, my late grandmothers, all the moms in my family, as well as all the women who have ever treated me like a son, every mom I know, and really just anyone who has ever been a mom. Today I am honored to present the story of Serena Bowie, a mother who has been relentlessly searching for the truth behind her the death of her son Kedrick in 2017. I actually recorded this conversation back in April, and I want to preface this interview by saying that I do not consider myself a journalist, although Serena did recently inform me that she is, that she has found a journalist that she has started working with that seems pretty credible, um, nor am I making any claims of my own or asking you, the audience, to make a determination on whether or not you believe her perspective on how her son died, nor am I, well, but, but I am asking you to listen to listen to and to empathize with her because I believe the questions she raises regarding the nature and manner of her son's deaths are good ones and credible ones and at the very least deserve further investigation. I see Serena as a shining example of how a mother never stops being a mother whether her child is still here with us or not. Fair warning before we jump into this that there, this may contain some content sense, that is sensitive or disturbing for some listeners so listen at your own discretion. Anyway, here is Serena's story about the search for truth regarding the death of her son, Kedrick. All right, and we are we are recording. All right. Hi, Serena. Um, it's great to have you on Someone's Story podcast. Um, I really, really appreciate having you on and you, you know, sharing and you being open to sharing um, your story and your son's story on here. Um, you know, you really have a just a an incredible story um you know so basically the way we got in touch was i saw on instagram you know some in, you have a page about your son kedrick and about you know you believe how he was not he has not been done proper justice um but before we go into that aspect of it what how do you, how is it that you remember Ken, kedrick and what is it that you want the world to know about kedrick as a person I remember Ketra as being a sweet person, mm -hmm. giving, helping, and he if he did something, he's going to always tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, he was just a good person. Well, you know, it just, he, he was funny. He liked to mm -hmm. crack. Kevin, his twin brother, they cracked a lot. Um, right, right. He, I mean, he just was a people person. He was, uh, mm -hmm. he was planning on coming home, taking care of his mama. That's what he wanted to do. Okay, okay, fantastic, fantastic. Um, you know, and so could you describe um, what got you, how you believe Kedrick has not been done proper justice, and you know, what, why Kedrick was not able to come home? Well, um. The reason I felt like things hasn't been done right. Um, mm -hmm. My son, this happened on the 13th of August. His body didn't get to Birmingham till the 23rd. Mm -hmm. So they kept his body over a week or so and they wouldn't let me come to see uh, anything. Mm -hmm. They told me that they couldn't give me no information. So, you know, I had to be patient and, and, and just keep my cool until he got here. And once his body got here, 
Then front of home called me on two occasions because they wanted to know why he hadn't arrived. So I had to call the front of home to find mm-hmm. out they spent they was behind. So when right. I got them to the front of home, looking at my son and the caster, it just you could tell he was swollen, not just mm-hmm. with the embalming fluid, but you could tell he was swollen. His hands was balled up in a fist. And it, you could tell there was a lot of makeup on and my scene of gas mm-hmm. in the front of his head. Okay. Um, I wanted to change his clothes, but the guy told me that I didn't need to do that because his brother wanted him to have on a baby blue button-down shirt. So okay. the guy at the um, prison told me that they only had ivory. Well, I told him, I said, well, by the time my son about to get here, I'd be mm-hmm. on the shirt. Well, he called me back within a day or so, and he had them found the light blue. So in reality, I know that I, he probably just didn't want us to tussle with the body or to see something that, you know, but I knew that something wasn't right because I had talked to Ketra the day before, and my son was fine. And then I get okay. a phone call the next morning. Right, right. And so what, because you're not the type, you don't strike me as the type of person based on our previous conversation who just instantly um you know tries to find a a reason for something other than the explanation you're given but you are a curious and explorative person and an inquisitive person what was the first thing that kind of tipped you off that something didn't seem right well his brother woke up that morning of his brother death and uh he was hurting in different parts of his body. Mm-hmm. And we didn't put it together. And right. um, once I started getting paperwork, mm-hmm. they tried to tell me, you know, about a heart attack, coronary uh, uh, artery heart disease, hypertension, obesity. It just didn't fit right. It didn't, it didn't feel right. right. And so they told me I would never be able to get any other paperwork but the death certificate. So I was able to get it. God put me in a place with people where I was able to learn how to get information. So I got the autopsy. And when I got the autopsy, I, I looked. And then when I seen the trauma, trauma to the head, blunt force trauma to the torso, mm-hmm. three by three gash in his head, um, a braided contusion. I mean, when I say no, I'm like, no, it was more than this. And so, as a mother, if the mm-hmm. death certificate would have went directly with the same information as the autopsy and the toxicology, then I would have been okay. So uh, you're saying that the autopsy and the toxicology report did not seem to fit what the death certificate's explanation was? Yes, yes. Okay. Because, yeah, yeah. Because they, they tried to say that drug was involved. They say they found, they found black tar heroin. Well, the toxicology doctor ran the report. Ketra had no drugs in his system. Right, um, right. I eventually discovered some additional information in, within the last month or so because, you know, me handled a lot of stuff, you know, you can overlook. I ran up on some information that's saying that um, um, they can most certainly say that Ketra died from blunt force trauma to the head, meaning that Ketra Bullitt would not have more likely been alive today. Mm-hmm. And this 
particular person say that this is that uh, she can say that because this she have the experience, the training, the knowledge, and she know that Ketri uh, Ketri would die as blunt force trauma. But hey, okay, okay, and, and and so yeah, so anytime there's inconsistencies in anything, really, it makes things it, it raises questions, right? That's true of almost anything, I would say. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that whether it's whether it's, uh, you know, a death in prison or whether it's, you know, someone trying to sell you something, if there's an inconsistency, it, it, it may, you, you want to ask questions, you know, and um, I mean, you're I, I commend you for that, you know, and and not in a patronizing way at all. And I also I really appreciate you because I, I know that having to relive this over and over again when you talk about it, think about it, and just try to put this cause forth is important. Now, just to ask this question for clarification, even though I, I think I can probably discern what the answer would be just based on who you seem like you are, um, you're not looking for, it doesn't seem like you're looking for um, something to make you feel better. It seems like you're looking for the truth, right? Um, I, the only way that I would be okay in life with his identical twin brother is mm -hmm. for us to get the truth and justice for what happened to my son because this is not considered as a, a natural cause. In reality, this is considered as a murder case. They murdered my son, they killed my son. Right, right. And so what was it that made you, because we talked about the inconsistencies, what was it that made you think that, um, that this was something more sinister? What was it that tipped you off to that? Well, um, I've been working on the case for ever since it happened. Mm -hmm. Well, you're doing your I, own I, detective work, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I have a girlfriend that she can give you as much as information as I can. She worked it closely with me. Mm -hmm. So I can say that people start, I start talking and Kima start running into people. And so uh, the prison, um, I had called down there the second week after Kendra death to find out what was the rumor. Well, mm -hmm. Mr. Wendell Warkoff said that he heard that the rumor was about drugs, that Ketra died of drugs. So okay. I, I told him I, it didn't feel right. So as I kept on investigating, investigating, well, from majority of the people that I have talked to, the rumor at the prison was never about drugs. The rumor was never about um, Ketra had a heart attack. The rumor mm -hmm. was, it was two different rumors. Ketra was beaten to death by the correctional officer, and the other one was Ketra got caught up. Okay. Okay. So, basically, then, so, have you gotten any kind of pushback from, I mean, I think you, you mentioned this, that there's been some pushback due to, you know, you're, you're investigating in this, um, and in terms of legal cases, you know, I, I think you mentioned that you have pursued a legal case. Am I, am I correct in that? Yes, I had a lawyer that took the case in January of 2019. He dropped the case in August the 7th of 2019, which was seven days before the deadline limitation, which violated my right where I was not able to get a lawyer within six mm. or seven days to get the paperwork. So the lawyers that I did talk with said that if Trent would 
filed the motion in court that they would be able to can pick it up from there, but he would not even file it in court. So um, I tried to file myself and maybe uh, two months later, someone helped me and I got in court, but by me not being a lawyer and I, I, I basically gave the judge every piece of paper that I had knowing that the judge gonna know exactly what happened with Ketra because he the judge so he have uh, ways of getting all the information and I got thrown out of court I think um, within a month or so because I didn't understand. I didn't have the proper help that I needed to gotcha. pursue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one thing that I think that is that, that might provide important context to this, even though it doesn't necessarily prove anything, but I think it is important context, is that we're talking about Stone Mountain, Georgia. Am I correct? This is where this is where this occurred. Yeah. Uh, USP and uh, uh, Atlanta Federal uh, Federal Prison. Okay, so and and how how much do you know about the history of Stone Mountain? Well, um, I never known that it was called Stone Mountain unless that's just something that they called it. I just always knew that it was just USP uh, Atlanta Georgia Federal Prison. Right. Um, um, I do know that uh, right after we buried Ketcher, I I wanted to get information so. Um, I'm not knowing how to do this because I'm actually a chef and I, I'm, I'm cooking. I don't know anything about dealing with the legal system and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but I learned. Well, I Googled and found out during the, the, the day of my son's death on August the 13th, 2017, they had five investigations going on. Okay. At that prison. Um. I know that a lot of people have lost their jobs due to contraband, um, all types of other stuff. They even have a, 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 a wall of fame with, all, with correctional officers that uh, participated in stuff that was not right. Uh, so the, you're saying there's rumors of a lot of corruption? Yes, 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 yes. We have okay. a lot of, well, me and my girlfriend have information that she pulls a lot about uh, Atlanta, Georgia. So we've been pulling a lot of stuff and um, come to talk to someone that told me that they are hiding a lot of stuff. They are um, doing a lot of different stuff and they are letting the um, inmates uh, is acting as if they the correctional officers. Uh, the prison is just um, corrupt all the way, all mm -hmm. the way. Now, what, out of curiosity, is this a is this a private prison? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Okay, so it's it, it so it's publicly funded then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. the other question I wanted to ask was, um, do you think that race played a role in your son's killing? I mean, your son was was Afri was African American. You know, he's a big black guy. Um, you know, well, and and oftentimes that provides. This, I mean, well, I did. It, I did think like that. I really did. And I had to, I had to ask God to forgive me because that's how we normally think, but that's not always how it is. It mm -hmm. was one um, Latino, one African, and the other one was, uh, uh, was uh, Black. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So everybody yeah. is Black, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Because, I mean, we, we one thing we talked about in our last conversation was that, you know, I mean, we talked about the, I think we talked a bit about the Stanford prison experiment where, you know, 
when you were those university students, some of them were put in the prisoner role and some of them were put in the guard role and the guard role, you know, it, they kind of got to their heads, you know, even though it was just an experiment. Um, and, uh, you know, and a lot of disadvantaged populations do get discriminated against when they are incarcerated, whether it's due to race or due to mental health status or due to, you know, sexual orientation or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, so, I mean, I think that's something that's a possibility. Also, the reason I brought up the history of Stone Mountain, Georgia is because Stone Mountain is the home of basically what is the Confederate version of Mount Rushmore. Um, okay. So it, it like it, 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 so, you know, Mount Rushmore has the presidents. Stone Mountain carved into it has, um, has uh, Jefferson Davis, which who was the president of the Confederacy and it has two prominent Confederate generals, Robert E. Lee and um, Stonewall Jackson carved into the side of the mountain. So this is the area we're talking about here. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that that played a role, but if we're just gonna provide context for the area we're talking about, I think that's worth putting into perspective, you know? True, true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, because, I mean, I, I think that we like to think that, I think a lot of people in America, we like to think that these things don't happen in this country, but they do. I mean, we look at the George Floyd trial going on right now, where mm -hmm. literally we watched a murder happen on camera. Yeah. And, and, and it's a four-week trial. Like, I, I haven't watched a single day of that trial because all I needed to see was three or four minutes of that video. And yeah, yeah i was and that was enough for me you know like that's just it some of these things are like i think that we need to one thing i've talked about before is i think that um I, i'm i'm a big um i'm a, i'm very interested in you know the theories of carl jung when it comes to psychology and i think when they're applied on a macro scale um one thing he talked about was the ego and the shadow and i think america has an ego and a shadow I think the ego was sort of like Barack Obama and the, and the shadow was Donald Trump. You know, the ego yeah, is who we yeah. like to think we are. And the shadow is the underbelly and the worst parts of who we are. Um, and I think we haven't reconciled those things because we haven't, we haven't, the goal of Jungian psychology is to integrate the shadow into the ego in a way where you can use it for positive purposes. Um, and we haven't found a way to do that yet. Germany, a country that acknowledges it's, it's, it's very terrible and rough history when it comes to that has found a way in a lot of ways to integrate that into, you know, the, a lot of the things they do. But I think our country is reluctant to acknowledge its past when it comes to these things. Now, I'm not saying that I know exactly what happened or anything like that. But what I'm saying is that things like the reason I'm having you on is because I think that everyone deserves to be listened to, you know, because yeah, yeah. I've learned in my career that <clears throat> A lot of the things that we think are too far-fetched to be true, they really aren't, you know? Doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatically going to be true every time, but they're definitely worth being explored and they're definitely worth, you know, being looked at. Um, <clears throat> and I think you deserve to be heard, you know? That's true. And I mean, and this is this is what's wrong. Uh, people, you have mothers that is bearing their kids that's in prison and people is not looking at the paperwork. And I, me as a mother, I only had a set of twins and both of my boys mm -hmm. case at the same time. So of course, I want to know everything that happened to my son. And if it was just a, a, a heart attack, I couldn't help but to accept that. I mean, because right. I mean, I'm, I can't help but to accept, but when you get to seeing trauma, 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 I mean, trauma should not even been on the autopsy at all if 
he had a heart attack. And then right. I also talked with his autopsy doctor that wanted to know why I wanted so much information. Well, I asked him about the trauma. Was the trauma fresh or old on my son's body? And he said, Miss Bowie, I can't explain to you, but the trauma happened the day before or the day of your son's death. Right, right. And, and so the other thing, so like really you're, what you're looking for here, it seems like is transparency, you know? like and, and just answers you know because it seems yeah, like yeah. what's bothering you is not that you're not getting the an it's, it's not so much that you're not getting the answers you want it's that you're not getting answers at all okay okay that's it that's it it's like they at like it's like they pushing me to the side it's like my son didn't mean anything no one i even called the frills about i was able to get in contact with them maybe two years ago and I spoke with someone and um, I was at work. So I didn't write her name down because I knew they weren't going to do anything. She said, well, we're going to treat your son case like a three sister. So I called back again. Yeah. Um, they said that they didn't have any records of Ketri. And I said, well, he was at that prison. He got killed at that prison. Well, all everybody in the office is, is we all are new. I said, but what do they have to do with paperwork? They said that they didn't, they didn't have any paperwork just, uh, about Ketri. Just as, as, as someone who works in a field that involves a lot, or who has worked in a field that involves a lot of paperwork, um, <clears throat> That, that sounds absolutely ridiculous to me because yeah. we, people keep records and the police keep records for a long time. Like yeah. sometimes yeah. even if, I, if I'm not mistaken, like 10 years back, you know, like, yeah. so yeah. the idea that they just had no record of him, that sounds absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah. I mean, y'all treat y'all really asking, y'all really talking to me like as if my son never exists. Right, right. Well, and, and I mean, that's, that, that kind of ties into, I think, you know, I think like like a lot of people talk about the like what does the phrase Black Lives Matter really mean? I think that this is a perfect example of it. It's it's you want your son's life to matter enough to get just any answers at all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Any yeah. justice at all? Yeah, yeah. Regardless yeah. of whether it's what you think happened or not, you just want justice to be served. Yeah, and then uh, uh, the goal to show you that I know that it's more. I've been doing this since 2017. This is 2021. August wow. of 2021 will be four years. I have been a nonstop. By the coronavirus uh, coming out, I've been off of work a year. That year have gave me with more information where I've been able to focus. This year have been a really blessed year because I have mm -hmm. got more information concerning my death I mean, my son's death, which let me know that I know that it was some foul play when it came down to what happened to my son. I know it was. I know it right. was. Right. So, Serena, um, how has, I mean, you're, you're, we talked about in our last conversation how you're a woman of faith. How has that, how has your faith helped you through this? My faith have really, I mean, just going to church every Sunday, praying and talking to God, asking God to show me, to lead me. I mean, he have really, he have really, really had me because I had to ask God daily for to give me the strength that I needed 
to do mm-hmm. what I used to do. So my faith is very strong that no one could just come and tell me anything. It just don't work like that. I just know that God is good and he will show you what you need to see. You just have to just be patient and hold on. So it took for me to get from point A to point B to C and D for me to get where I'm at now. And that's because I, 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 I held on to what I had, which was my faith. And I mm-hmm. asked him to lead me and guide me. And he'd been doing it. So I just been. You feel like the I spirit's can. moving you. Yes, 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 yes. So one, one thing that, I've, that always fascinates me is how some people, they, they kind of, when they're faced with difficult, just, you know, unfathomable struggles like this, they some of them lean into faith and some of them abandon faith and i always wonder what makes some people do one versus the other what do you think made you kind of lean into yours well i lean into mine because um me and my kid's father got married in um Mm -hmm. february of 2017 and um we it it, things haven't been right i say that and he Mm -hmm. did not have my best interest in what I had going on so mm-hmm. I had to work hold on to my faith go come home get the house straight get through in time so I would be able to can google and find out as much as information I could every day before it was time for me to go to work the next following day and I did that for um mm-hmm. I know uh right at three years and so you know when when you sometimes things and people can 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 stop what God got going for you mm-hmm. and sometimes um he have to we have he have to move people out of our you know way in order for us to get to where we need to get because right. sometimes everybody is not on the same level or feel mm-hmm. the same way so you know um doing this with my son death uh, me and my husband was separated we've been separated right out of a year and mm-hmm. i just signed my divorce papers on yesterday so oh, wow. a lot of people been i don't know whether to me, say congratulations or i'm sorry <laughs> well it's c- congratulations for me because okay it, if you want something you go do with it take to get it so you know us being separated for a year and we never got back together mm-hmm. um it's a done deal and so now my my main goal is to continue fighting for justice for my son mm-hmm. right right wow so yeah serena you are you are strong you are strong beyond belief literally like <laughs> you know um so it, this is this is I, this has really been you know great just talking with you and hearing you share your story um what do you want what do you want to express to just the general public about what they should know about situations like not even necessarily about people in prison but just people like yourself or people who are in situations like yours or people who feel like they are being ignored and their voices aren't being heard what what do you what to the people who don't seem to understand that what would you like them to know I want them to know that you never, never, regardless of how many doors close in your face, you never stop. Because mm-hmm. every time you stop, you defeat yourself from 
making the move that you need to make. So you have to continue to move forward. You have to continue to not let people get in your spirit and know that if you aiming at something that you want to know and it's dealing with life itself, you, you have to push yourself and you have to continue to move forward and you have to keep the faith knowing that if you do things the right way that God will lead you to where you need to be but you can't sit back and not read that's what we mess up at we some of us not pay attention we only go by what people tell us but Mm -hmm. if you if you right now I know people that have not ever looked at they kids death certificate autops or whatever well what in me I'm so glad you said that Please continue. What's in me, I cannot explain to you, but I can tell you that God gave me the strength to look at my son autopsy, to look at his toxicology, to to request getting much information as I can. And if you go by what anybody tells you, whether it's in prison or it doesn't matter, that this is what happened. If you listen to what they said, you will never know the truth. But if you investigate for yourself to make yourself know that this is actually what happened, then you be it make you a better person. So this uh, it's been a, it's a hard road, but it made me to be a better person. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm my heart go out to the prison system. I didn't I never knew anything about the prison mm-hmm. system, but. I want to get something started where I'm able to help in the prison system because I don't want nobody to ever have to go through what I went through. Nobody. So right. You you want you want you want justice to accompany accountability, it sounds like. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And 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 so Serena, it's so it's so amazing you said that because one of the things that a lot of my clients in, in my job that amazes me is that I'll have them, I'll, I'll like, they'll be, let's say they're dealing with a housing issue or something. And mm-hmm. I'll ask them, well, what does it say in your lease? And they're like, I've never read the lease. And I'm like, well, yeah. you gotta read. And then like, I read their lease and I'm like, oh, this is why this is happening. You should, I mean, this, this wasn't a great yeah. thing this, for you to sign, you know? And actually I've been looking in, I don't know what your faith background is, um, but I've been looking into there's been a this there's an interesting faith that I've been looking into recently called or learning more about called the Baha'i faith, where actually one of the things that encourages is that we all have to investigate the truth independently for ourselves, because otherwise we can be led astray by the institutions and by, you know, false leaders and things like that. That's true. That's true. That's true. Now, that and is absolutely true. Because I think that I think the institutions power can be used for good or bad so the more power someone has the more influence they have and the more good they can do and the more bad they can do so i mean if we follow power like sheep then you know we can be led in a good direction but we also have to know when we're being led astray we have to be aware uh we we have to be educated it's okay to let someone have power but when, when they have that power we can't turn a blind eye to what they're doing 
that's true. We have to really, we have to, we, we really have to pay attention to what's going on because if too much, too many bad things happen in a certain area, it's going to cause problems and problems want to cause problems and problems want to cause problems. So, you know, since Ketra Delph, I, I, I can actually say it's, it's been a lot of inmates that have actually, you know, lost their lives in that prison, you know, and I was told that the, the day, the, well, the night of my son's death, the officer spit in his food. And they heard Ketra wow. uh, and the officer into it. And then later on, they heard Ketra uh, and the guys in now, well, they was beating on Ketra and they heard Ketra moaning. So mm -hmm. they, you know, I mean, and, and when I heard that, I mean, that hurt by itself to know you know, my child sit there all night and was in pain and they didn't even try to save my child, you know, they didn't try mm -hmm. to, you know, that hurt, that hurt. Right, that hurt. right. Well, it, you know, that's, that, that there's, that's, that parallels so many other situations that we've seen as well, or, or at least so many other accounts that we've heard where, you know, it seems like sometimes the, you know, the people who are supposed to be the people who are supposed to be running to the rescue sometimes are it's they, they seem like they're taking their time or blase not every time but there's too many times you know um yeah yeah and one time is too many um and uh i think it's because we have this one, one thing that was interesting i, I watched a, I, I sometimes i'll watch these compilations on youtube about like you know just uh like i i, I, I don't there was this family guy joke i saw recently where it was like uh basically these two black guys come into the door of Peter Griffin's home and they're like, we're here to dance for the kids. And then Peter Griffin says, run 80s black guys. You're no match for the 90s black guys. And the 90s black guys start shooting them. And I didn't understand really what that reference was until I watched something last night about the crack epidemic and how that changed. Ronald Reagan changed our perception of black people in this country drastically. Yeah. You know, like, like that and the crack epidemic we, we view, I think that we, that the crack epidemic really dehumanized black people in the eyes of, you know, the public in a way that we just, that is why we have devalued their lives to this extent. And it's just, it, it, we, it, it seems like it, we are desensitized to that type of, you know, stuff because, and because, and then the opioid epidemic happens and we have the exact opposite reaction and we have and all of a sudden everyone's sensitive to it because it's happening mostly to white people um now i'm not saying that we shouldn't be sensitive to the white people going through that i'm just saying that the sensitivity should be universal um yeah yeah and yeah. you know, and you know like but it's just amazing how perception can be manipulated by power so easily um and i think that we really need to come to a place where um, you know, just, I, I, I really, it blew my mind how, how like just in, in a decade, really throughout the entire eighties, just how, just all it took really was one decade and the entire perception of black people in the eyes of the American public seemed to change in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not that, not, yeah. not that it wasn't bad before, you know, like I know, <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't ever, right. It wasn't ever roses and sunshine, but like, um, I mean, and then I think that there's this thing in social work called labeling theory, where we talk about how when we 
when we label people something, they start to act like it because they. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because first they try to resist it, and then it's like, oh well, you know, I well if I can't resist this, then I'll just act like it. And you know, I, I've I've gone through that just with mental health before, where people in my life when they over identify me with my mental health diagnosis. I, I, I try so hard to convince them, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm fine. And then eventually I just give up and I kind of want to be like, okay, I'll show you crazy. Like, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and one of the things they talked about in this, um, in this documentary about the crack epidemic was that um, I, I think a, a couple of the people who were former dealers said that what they had to do was they had to do that whole cool pose thing where they just didn't show any weakness. They couldn't dance anymore. They couldn't laugh anymore, you know? everything was just stone face and so that's i think where the stereotype came from you know and yeah. then and then like you know but it, it it this domino effect from just people in power it's just it, it it's it people don't realize how little it takes to just change public perception it don't take it just it happened by the blink of an eye it don't take long it really don't right right and so but the other thing is that would that would make me hopeful that we could do it the other way too, but it seems like it's harder to do it the other way to create positive public perception. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, fear sells. You know, just, I mean, fear just fear sells. Um, it's it love sells too, but fear is just it's it's easy. I think love sells. I think when love sells, it's more abundant. But when fear sells, it's easier to sell, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, um, it is it's easy to sell. Easy. Yeah. But yeah. Um, well, so what would you say? Because, I mean, I'm basically rambling on and talking out of my ass about a bunch of this stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> um, what would you um, what, what would you say just, I think, in, in the eyes of the public to improve um, the perception of Black men especially? Because I feel like Black men really in terms of just public fear, they get hit the hardest. What do you think would, what do you think the public needs to understand about, what do you think could improve public perception of black men? And what do you think, what brunt of that do you think comes from, you know, the, uh, the people who have privilege and what brunt of that do you think comes from the people who don't have privilege? Well, when it comes down to black, it's all really, it's about respect. I mean, mm -hmm. if you respect, they give respect. Um, um, whatever you do to one person, you make it known that you're going to do the same thing to the next person. But what right. happened is that a lot of time when our Black young men get caught into doing something, they get way more time than just say if it was just say if you find a judge or a lawyer popular, they they son or daughter get into some 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 mess or something. Mm -hmm. you, you know it'll be swept up on the road, but with yours it, it's going to come all the way out. And I right. feel like that that's not right. If you going to discuss one person business, then the next person business should be. Um, um, discussed too, but you have people that got power, that got money, that um, you know depends on what you look like, how you you know carry yourself, or whatever is based on what they do for you. But see, 
what man failed to realize, God look at all the us. Well, I can cut myself right now and I can cut you. Me and your blood is going to be the same color, which is red. The right. thing is what people get it twisted at is because everybody wants to be so stuck up into uh, racism. And I mean, at the end of the day, some of us are darker than some, some of us are lighter than some, some are right, you know, got straight, straight hair, some got mixed hair. It don't matter because God don't love just the black. He don't love just the whites. He don't love just the Mexican. He don't, he don't, he don't discriminate. He loves everybody. So until right. people get it together to understand that I, it don't matter about the color of your, your skin because we all are still a human being. Right. The thing I, the thing I always try to look for in people is the divine image, you know, like what is the divine image of, that I can find in someone, you know, like, I mean, I think I think humanity in general is I, I think I think humans individually are beautiful, but I think humanity as a whole is kind of ugly. You know, like I think that when, when we have that mob mentality or when we start categorizing people, it just it gets kind of ugly. And one thing that I also have learned and I actually discussed this in a previous episode with another guest is um, that I feel like when people focus on being welcoming rather than being accepted. That you know, and, and now that that. Now that is true. And another thing, um, if people, for one, stop trying to worry about who you pleasing. You can't, right. I don't care, uh, you can get a million dollars right now and you can break out everybody a, a part of the portion. But everybody that you broke the part of the portion out to don't mean that they love you or they going to be there for you. That's right. why you, with whatever we do in life, we have to and ask God to lead us, you know, which way to go. But a person would rather find anything negative to say about the next person than to find some good that they can pull out about a person. And that plays that plays a big role too. Another thing is that the killing that's going on in the world with the police is being so caught up in, you know, um, if you go back and look at it, people, they get mad at the officers for what they did, but you got to go uh, up a couple notches. Uh, mm -hmm. Be officer that have been on created and made a mess and being sued, majority of the time, they already don't been in trouble with where they work at, at right. the police department, and, and they they, they cover it up. So they constantly cover up with what the officers do until when they create a mess that's going mm -hmm. to cause problems, then, you know, they feel some type of way, but everything that's going on in this world, it starts from the top. That's even it with does. the system, that even with the government, that's where when you say everything starts from the top until the top get right then it will float down and the bottom will start getting right. But you can't expect for the bottom to get right when the top is the main key to what's going on in the world. Absolutely. We, a lot of times we hear the phrase about police that it's just a few bad apples, but they don't say the rest of that phrase, which is a few bad apples spoils the bunch, you know? Yes. And that's, yeah. that's because, I mean, and a lot of these cops, we ask them, well, why don't they speak up? It's because when they do speak up, they get threatened. They get, you know, death threats. They get you know, it's, it's, it's the institutional issue and some, and some police officers, I don't think it's so much that they're necessarily 
bad people. It's just, I don't think that they're in the right job. You know, I think that we make it a little too easy to be a police officer. I think that some of these people can't handle the stress. They freak out. They get a little too trigger happy. And honestly, the way that they're trained, there's a guy who goes around training a lot of them. I forget his name, but he teaches them basically that everyone is there is, is trying to kill you. Like, you know, like, and that's not, if you're going to protect and serve the public, you can't do that. If you think you're at war with the public, you know, like, I mean, so if you're being taught those things, it, it's yeah. hard to do that. So I think empathy is really the key to anything to accomplishing anything. And I think it's the key to any sort of learning or wisdom. I'm not afraid to be ignorant. I'm not, you know, I like, I mean, because if I, if I am ignorant, then I'm open to someone teaching me, you know, like yeah. I've said, I've said ignorant stuff to people before and th then people call me out on it. And instead of digging my heels into my own bullshit, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, what was wrong with what I said? And that's what you talked about. I think when it comes to people pleasing, we want so badly to be accepted that we yeah. like, yeah. that we don't want people to tell us we're wrong because that, that affects our egos, but we can just put our egos to the side and, you know, be open to learning new things I think people will be, that's, that's the, like I said, being welcoming instead of, you know, trying to please people and be accepted. Like we see people go around, like, you know, trying to, um, I, I don't, I, I, I've seen a lot of people who, when they're, when they're trying to, <laughs> people who haven't been around people who are from different backgrounds as them as much, they try to act like their background or try to do things of their background instead of just welcoming the people of the backgrounds and learning they're, they try to act like they're already there with them yeah 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 and it just it just that um um i mean you said everything you said was true because if i listen at people i have had plenty of people to tell me that i would never find out no more than what I knew. I had people to tell me that I probably need to just let it go and just mm -hmm. let him rest. I had people to tell me all types of things. And, and in the back of my head, I'm saying to myself, if it was yours, what would you do? Right. I have exactly. had people to tell me that, you know, uh, about my grieving, because sometimes I don't want to be bothered with nothing and nobody. You know, mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, everybody have a way to heal. And, you know, I, I was busy trying to be strong for everybody else until it just almost killed me at one time. Mm -hmm. So I had to get my stuff together. But, you know, if you listen at what other people tell you based on their theory and how they feel, you know, sometimes we mess up. I don't listen. I can listen at you, but I'm going to go with my gut, my soul, my heart, with how I feel that things need to be done. And the way that I was raised up, my mama taught me right mm -hmm. is right and wrong is wrong. Mm -hmm. If you want right to follow you, you have to do right. But if you feel that something is not right, then right. you have to find out what is it about that situation that's not right that's making you feel that way. So me right now, I can actually say on this podcast, mm -hmm. I know, I know what I felt was real. And I know that I knew that they had killed my child. So mm -hmm. to this day, I can actually just sit up and admit, because it was time that I thought I was going wrong. It was time that I thought I needed to leave alone. It was time that I was tired. It was time that I felt like giving up. But God would not let me give up. Every mm -hmm. time I wanted to give up, 
something happened to make me get right back to what I was doing. And I right. only gave up maybe, I gave up maybe a good 12 hours. Okay. Maybe a good, maybe a good 12 hours, but then uh, sometimes the you need rest though, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just gave up. I was just done. But every time I say I'm done, it's like, here it go, here it go. And I'm like, through everything that I'm going through, God got me going through this for a reason. And it's going to give my son, my son go get just one way or the other. Right. On top of that, I'm going to baby can help other right. people. It's about so, helping other people now. So if Kedrick was listening, if Kedrick was in on this conversation, what do you think he would have to say? He would be smiling and laughing and saying okay. one thing about my mama. My mama do not play the radio. And he, he he told just about every prison that he went to, man, anything go wrong with me. One thing about my mama, my mama do not play. She do not play right. the radio. And my son knew that his mama is a fighter. So what's mm -hmm. right? So what's right? Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, that that's Serena. It's been great talking to you. Um, and uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some editing to this and I'm going to have some people, you know, look at some, of, at some things as well. Um, just to, you know, just, just to, just to get some perspectives on this, but I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so, I'm honestly honored and it really moved that you were willing to share this perspective with me and share your story with me and share your son's story with me. Um, and and thank uh, you for also too taking the time and, um, if you try to get in contact with me through Instagram, sometimes I, I get a chance to get on them. But when I do, I try to put as much as I can. But if mm -hmm. you can't contact me that way, you can always just uh, send me a message or either you can call if it's something that you need to know. But um, I thank you too, because you listen to me. You, um, I don't been invited to do so many podcasts and I think I mainly did a couple everything else I basically don't did on my own like my videos uh, mm -hmm. with my Delta. I got plenty of them out so I just thank you for taking up the time to understand um and also this is really is something that people just go have to learn that um uh, everybody got to be on on they on their guards at all times because this is not finna stop. They gonna continue to do what they're doing until we all come together as one. And absolutely, and yeah. yeah. So, Serena, um, if you want people to find information about this, where can they find it? Well, they can find me on. Um, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, mm -hmm. about Serena Bowie. Um, I have. We have a group on Facebook. Um, in love and memory of Kedrick. We have another one that's called Kedrick Cause. Okay, um, and that's with uh K A K A U S E. So um, calls with a K because his his yeah. first name is spelled with a K as well. Yeah, um, is, is that like a is that is that is that name is because I'm kind of a name nerd and a word nerd. Is is Kedrick like an Irish name because it sounds like a like a very Irish version of Cedric? You know what? I really don't know. I tried to make, when I knew I was having identical twins, I tried to make their name sort of fit, but mm -hmm. um, it, it, I think my mom came up with one name and somebody else came up with the other name and it was like, you know, they want to name one after the daddy and couldn't name the other one. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure, but I heard that it was. So. Okay. okay. And so, you know, um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter also uh, with Kepri Cause, and then I have my original page. So I'll be working all over because I feel like the more I put out information, the more help, and a lot of people have really reached out to me during this time um, to help out with Kepri Cause to see what more uh, information they can find now. So I really mm-hmm. thank you also, John. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, they, I mean, and also, they, I mean, it's amazing. They say, they say that people never stop being a mom, no matter what happens. And you literally are still in every possible way are still being a mom. So, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Serena. Um, it was great talking to you and uh, we'll keep in touch. All right. You have a blessed day. You too. All right. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, I, I really, I really hope that you that that story resonated with you, especially the mothers out there who just understand how the love for a child never ends. I think that Serena is a shining example of that. Serena was actually kind enough to share some documents regarding this case with me. But I thought that um, I, I wanted to have a professional look over some of those documents first before I made any statements on them. Unfortunately, um, my attempts to get that particular professional to look at those documents, that professional has been busy, so I, I have not been able to. But I do want to have Serena on again for an update on this case, because now that she's been working with a journalist down in Georgia that, you know, is that is that from what she tells me is pretty credible. And and there has also been new information that she's found out. So I, I really uh, so I really would like to have her on again just to up just for an update on that. I'm 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 thinking about having her come on with the journalist coming on. I I welcome anyone who has information about this case to come on my podcast and just um let me know what their perspective is. But I think that our, I think that regardless of what this ends up being, you heard what Serena said. Serena said that what she wants is answers. And the problem that she keeps running into is that every time she looks for answers, she seems to keep running into more questions. And that's what the core of this is. I think sometimes when we think of these cases where people lose a loved one into the criminal justice system, whether that's to law enforcement or to or in, in, in the prison system, or whatever it may be. It's not so much that people want that person to be posthumously exonerated. It's more so that they just want answers, and they feel like they hit a brick wall a lot of the time. So I hope you can at the very least empathize with that, if nothing else. Because that's what this is about. It's about the search for truth, the investigation of truth. That's what our criminal justice system should be about. Uh, and clearly, it seems in this case that when, when, when Serena has made attempts to investigate the truth for herself, she's just kept running into more questions. Now, sometimes that is part of the investigation of truth in a mystical sense, but in a legal sense, the answers are supposed to... We're supposed to be able to get answers. So, yeah, I hope you empathize with that. Happy Mother's Day.
And until next time, thank you all so much for listening. Look up Kedrick's cause if you want to help.